0: A full half dozen Buckeyes heard their names called during the NFL draft. And is NIL the sky falling for college football and basketball? We'll talk about the latest craziness in the wild, wild west. All that and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, joining you alongside Johnny Ginner. Johnny, the draft has come and gone. The annual recruiting pitch for Ohio State football that is the NFL draft was a good one as six Buckeyes, including two in the first round, uh, on the one hand, you could say is the fewest Buckeyes drafted in seven cycles. On the other hand, having uh, wide receiver, number one and number two and, and number three, really, if you counted Jamison Williams, which we're going to, for the purposes of this discussion, going inside the top 13, pretty good recruiting pitch. If you're a skill player looking at the Buckeyes, uh, is the draft appointment viewing for you? H- how did you consume this year's NFL draft?
1: I watched the first round. Uh, until Olave and Wilson got drafted. And then I fell asleep. And then I woke up, I don't know, like in a in a groggy haze, because I intended to watch, you know, more of it, but I I didn't, uh, because I'm the father of a nine month old. <laughs>
0: which is, you know, like pretty much the most amazing thing in the world.
1: Uh, It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It's
0: it's sleep, sleep, be damned sleep. sleep Uh, will happen when it happens. Yeah. Being, being the dad of, of a young child is the best thing in the world. I, I, I envy you. I envy you that. I don't envy you the, the lost sleep. I'm not going to lie. Don't miss that. But the, that whole, the time goes by too fast thing is legit looking at uh, the Buckeyes who were drafted. No surprise that the big guns went in the first round as expected Uh, And it was kind of interesting, but part of me thought they, number one, the fact that Garrett Wilson wasn't the first wide receiver off the board, you know, ticked me off on the other hand, uh, I think, you know, really the six Buckeyes drafted in the seven rounds of the draft. And we'll mention the guys who got uh, picked up for mini camp offers or UDFA offers in a moment. Uh, But, you know, it seems like for the most part, they got drafted into pretty decent situations for their respective positions
1: yeah i mean for the positions i guess i i don't have a whole lot of faith um and some of the teams and by the way real quick before i get into that uh before you know this whole started i was like okay well you know the whole draft started i was like all right well we've got between you know wilson williams and and alave right and and who's going to be drafted first and then And then they sneak in and they get the guy from USC first. I think he went to Atlanta, right? Is that, is that, which is where we
0: had talked about being? I think last week we talked about a a likely destination for Chris Olave.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, what is this BS? Like, I was, I was not super happy about how that turned out. I felt like one of the three of them had, however, nothing, nothing to crap on London. The dude's really good. And, uh, Oh no, he's he's
0: terrible. He totally should have drafted Garrett (laughs) Wilson or Chris
1: Olave first. Any any
0: non-buckeye draftee is is trash. And uh, my my team's players are are that's right, but I was still salty about it.
1: I wanted one of the three of them to be the first wide receiver off the board, but regardless, uh, Garrett Wilson go to the Jets. I you know, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Jets as an organization. I do agree that maybe it's a good situation for him. A is another kind of interesting situation too, because all right, well, you're going to new Orleans and ostensibly that's a good landing spot. I mean, you've got a hopefully healthy, you know, Mike Thomas on the other side of the field, but like jamis is your the guy throwing to you like he's gonna throw a trillion interceptions like are you gonna are you gonna have to take the heat for some of that is he you know i just i don't know, think rookie, anybody's gonna i don't think anybody's gonna blame a, a rookie wide receiver for for i don't know i you know like that's i mean thing, I, I, though, I feel like the
0: book's written on him at this point right like you, i agree you, but that's he, what I'm he's saying. gonna like, throw the ball a million times you're gonna have your yeah. chances is one thing i like about it you're gonna have your chances um, you're gonna have your
1: chances but i just i feel like that's if you're trying to develop if you're trying to be a guy, it's like okay i'm gonna improve my skills i just i don't know that that's necessarily the best spot to go um so yeah i don't know it's it's, it's an interesting setup i think they'll have a chance to they'll, they'll definitely get a lot of chances you're absolutely right about that they will get a lot of footballs thrown in their direction, I just don't know how many of those will be catchable. <laughs> I don't know how many of those, uh, you know, will be able to showcase their their really incredible skills. Um, it, it may be an interesting rookie year for those dudes just because of their spots. But but you know, if, if it all works out, they'll definitely get a lot of receiving yards.
0: Yeah, and and if you look at, you know, where where would you have liked to have gone uh, you know as you're a wide receiver sure you'd have much rather been thrown to a guy like tom brady or aaron Rodgers. yeah they're only a couple of guys joe burrow you know you'd like to have been thrown to those guys there's there's only two or three guys patty Mahomes, you know that fit that uh and and so if i'm a scan nfl.com had a nifty little uh article at the end of the season where they basically ranked all 32 teams starting quarterbacks at the end of the regular season and they they did it i think Oh, I was trying to think if they did it via QBR or exactly what they based them on. Um, but at any rate, they they were looking at their stats. And so I was trying to scroll and see how did, how did, so <laughs> poor Garrett Wilson, uh, poor Garrett Wilson going to New York, the New York Jets. Now, one, I think this is a great landing spot for him because, you know, getting in the New York media market is legit. You're going to have your chances to do. You know, stuff on the biggest stage in that regard, the, the, the um, media opportunities, the, the, the endorsement opportunities are huge. You know, there's a, there's a reason um, that players a lot of times want to go to New York for some of those I'll call off the field opportunities. On the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, um, Zach Wilson in this particular ranking, uh, I think Greg Rosenthal compiled, had Wilson as number 32 out <laughs> of 32 quarterbacks. Uh, threw, you know, completed 55.6% of his passes for a little over 2,300 yards, um, nine touches, nine touchdowns to 11 interceptions, not ideal, uh, in that regard, which is why they had such a great, uh, part of the reason they had such a great draft pick, um, position. So, you know, you, you don't love that. Um, I was trying to see here, let me find where, um, Olave's guy. There's only 32 of them. You'd think I'd be able to find it easily <laughs> enough, right? Oh, Jameis uh, Winston. I mean, he was number 21, so better than <laughs> better than the New York City. But in either case, neither guy in the top third yeah, uh, I mean, or even the top half. So part of
1: that, obviously, is like, you know, it, you're going to get drafted high. You're not going to the best situation, right? Like, that's just part of how it works yep, out. But that's
0: right. Yeah, it's the trade off, right? You're going to either make a billion dollars on your rookie contract or you're going to play for a good team <laughs> yeah you don't get to do both usually yeah uh, and, have, and
1: that's the thing though and, and also the other weird thing about it this year is that um because it's such a poor quarterbacking draft class oh you know wow what I mean? wasn't it, it, it though that's yeah, just you, crazy you're right you really feel like yeah. Maybe some of these teams are trying to set themselves up for next season. So like if you're, if you're a team that, okay, James Winston is not going to be a longtime franchise quarterback for the saints. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they
0: bridge quarterback to somebody. Yes, we don't exactly. know who, so, but somebody.
1: Right. So maybe the idea is, all right, well, we've got a wide receiver heavy class. So let's get one of these guys. And then next season, we've got a ton of dudes who we can possibly choose from and then, and try to get one of them and then kind of work it out that way. I mean, it kind of stinks that you have to go first in that pecking order, you know what I mean? To try to establish yourself kind of at a, you know, at a handicap. But um, I think that's probably, I think that's probably the route. A lot of these teams are going to go.
0: It was really interesting to, 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 to see the narrative shift during like what was the story of the first round? And, and it started off and like, oh my gosh, they, what was it? The first six, I think guys, I'd have to go back and look at the picks, but it's like the first six were all defensive players. And it was, you know, this is the first time since whatever year that the first six players have been defensive players, you know, cause it's, it's gotta be a quarterback. It's gotta be an offensive tackle. It's gotta be whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after you had Wilson, Alave and JMO go, uh, what 10, 11, 12, Uh, then all of a sudden it was, you know, the recruiting pitch for Brian Hartline in the white Ohio state wide receiver room. And, um, you know, then it was just the run of wide receivers. Cause did you end up with half a dozen wide receivers taken in the first round or something crazy like that? It was a lot. It it was a lot. And so just to see that, you know, that storyline shift in real time was kind of fascinating, uh, you know, obviously the Georgia defense, Um, you know those guys made money that was a historic (laughs) historic day I mean they were already probably making money right but yeah but they they made some money
1: yeah they definitely they made a name I mean they'd already made a name for themselves but they that's that's how you put a stamp on something it's funny though because you watch that and you I think and I'm you know what I'm curious about how people view this you know if you're outside the Ohio State bubble because when I see that You know, I see all these guys from Georgia leaving, you know, and getting drafted. Or, I mean, shoot, even Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati had like nine dudes drafted, which is wild for them. Um, You know, my immediate thought as a college football fan is okay, these dudes are screwed next year. (laughs) Yeah, you're right, right. And so I wonder, I wonder if, you know, somebody who didn't maybe you didn't watch the Rose Bowl and maybe you still don't know the name Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe you see. You know, jamo and Olave and Garrett, and they're gone, and you're like, oh well, Ohio State, who are they gonna throw to? Right. And I and obviously that's a misnomer. We know that they have tons of talent, but I'm curious what the perception is maybe for people not at Ohio State or Ohio State fans when they think about CJ Shroud and who he's gonna throw to next season. So I don't I'm I'm curious how that will work out.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, I was looking uh in as we were preparing for the show is looking to see, okay, what's the way to early top 25 look like because of that uh, Alabama number one, no surprise there. Cause it's just always safe to put Alabama as your preseason number one, Ohio state is number two. Uh, and then, and then Georgia at number three. And, and I think Mark Schleyball put this one together at uh, ESPN, the one I was skimming and, you know, mentioned Georgia, uh, you know, talking about all of the departures they'll have that you know we'll will change things there but but no, you know they're bringing back a couple guys who may be better than the first rounders they left which is what we've sure. been saying potentially about Ohio State's wide receivers who went to the to the NFLs that hey there's a guy behind him who may be better than both of them uh in in Jackson Smith and Jigba so I'm I'm with you uh a lot of you know a lot of um a lot of talent off the board for those guys but you know still hey there's a lot of there's a lot of money in the mix down there. We're gonna talk about the money in college football mm-hmm. and basketball mm-hmm. a little bit later on. Uh so Nicholas Pettifrey to the Titans, you know, reuniting re- with former Ohio State uh coach and player. Uh the 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 great coach down there. I, I really liked seeing hit a couple guys going to Tennessee. I like that Mike Vrabel connection. Very cool. Jeremy Ruckert was a fun story going to the Jets, and, and that was the fun story because of his childhood fandom of the Jets and some of the pictures on Twitter of him as a little kid in a Jets uniform or with a Jets helmet or something. That was really that was really slick. Tyreek Smith to the Seahawks and Thera Mumford to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, and, and then you had, you know, a couple guys, I, I was really disappointed for, uh, in, in how much money did they cost themselves by coming back? And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that Thayer Munther month or I just mentioned going in the seventh round, the 238th overall pick and Haskell Garrett signing with the Titans as an undrafted free agent. You know, those are two guys who didn't have to come back. I don't think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how, it-
0: how much money did they cost themselves? by coming back and what can we infer uh about this for you know future potential early draft in entrance
1: i i don't know how much i mean haskell i think people probably see the obvious one right the guy got shot in the face you know like the, the that's a crazy story and it's awesome that he made that comeback but i also see nfl teams making that ridiculous calculus of like oh well you know that's definitely a you know check mark against that dude like you know we can't (laughs) you know that's a potential injury blah 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 i don't know i i think that um it's kind of hard to tell because those guys weren't going to be i think first or second round guys anyway maybe npf might i don't know but i i think in general um Because you don't really know how it would have played out in the mid to later rounds, I I think that's it's hard to to put a number on it. However, I will say that for Garrett, there are worse places to end up. I think um, as a defensive lineman, especially especially as an Ohio State defensive lineman, yes, he's going to have his chance with the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) You know where your your you know new head coach is a former Ohio State defensive lineman, so that that should help him out a little bit. And, um, you know, it sucks because you, I, I, really think he should have been drafted at some point, Yes. but honestly, I think there's an argument to be made that, you, you know, being an undrafted free agent is in some ways a better scenario than getting drafted in the one of the last two rounds, yeah. because you have a lot more freedom in that sense. And it's not that the money I don't think is that much different, um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that he excels where he's at and that that's a great landing spot for him because, um, you know, I, I think he's a talent and I think he'll do well in the NFL, honestly. Mm-hmm. They, uh,
0: the bear or the, uh, Titans as I say pick a couple of, uh, of Ohio state guys there between, uh nicholas petty frere which don't you just love that guy he had just some of the most wholesome responses to the whole draft at, oh yeah at, at, <laughs> <Iron Mountain. He laughs> i hope i he... get
1: to meet Derek henry that would be great <laughs> <Not> <laughs> only, you're I probably have, gonna meet him dude
0: i i hope we get to meet and become best friends like yeah. it's <laughs> yeah, and become best friends yeah, <laughs> that was right. that was the best i love that uh and then you know the other thing that was kind of interesting is that uh the bears picking up a couple guys as undrafted free agents or, or signing a little unclear here on DeMario McCall. We'll come to that in a minute, but uh, master Teague signing an undrafted free agent contract with the bears and uh, DeMario McCall indicating that he's got some opportunity with the bears. Uh, I'm, I'm a little unclear if that was, you know, a mini camp invite, an actual undrafted free agent contract. I'm, I'm, I'm not super clear what exactly, but DeMario apparently is going to do something with Dub Bears, uh, Chris Booker invited the Cardinals, rookie mini camp, Antoine Jackson invited to the Giants rookie mini camp. So you know all in all uh, certainly not the biggest draft in Ohio State history, but having two first rounders you're never gonna you're never going to shy away from that because uh, you know that's the big recruiting commercial right there is prime yeah. time first night that's when you want to hear your school's name called from the recruiting pitch. Uh, yeah. let's um, Let's shift gears a little bit here from the draft, which was great, to talking about the wild, wild west. Along with the draft, to the wild, wild. We need to I, like. We need to I, have a musical cue. I wonder whenever if you were we to go to Will Smith or if yeah, you were to go to UB forty because yeah. i'm old enough do you remember that that uh song that, you know she's so mean but i don't care i love <laughs> do you know this song i love no i don't know eyes that and her wild wild hair oh my gosh it's so great go look that up ub40 wild wild west
1: is it better uh, than wild wild west yeah wild west? it's
0: great yes it's great i love it so no no i love that you know i i never Literally, sure which one i like more be. was um will smith and and the movie wild wild west with will smith in it and the great kenneth Branagh as the, so the thing i love this is we're going to take a little digression yeah that's fine uh about this because why not the great kenneth Branagh who could do absolutely anything
1: yeah. um played shakespearean actor amazing director all that stuff yeah
0: i, I mean it was absolutely incredible but in the movie wild, wild west plays this evil Confederate mastermind as Dr. Artless Lovelace, yeah, who was like apparently cut in half and put on an articulated metal platform as though he were a half sp- like mechanical spider. Yep. Uh was the damnest thing ever.
1: I just yeah. The entire movie is I remember watching that in the th- Here's the thing: that movie came out. I think when did Wild Water was come out? I think it was in '97, right?
0: Uh, 96 or 97, 99. Actually, 99. Oh, who god, knew 99. That knew? who knows that? Knew? Yeah,
1: <laughs> anyway. Well, I do distinctly remember watching Wild Wild West and the movie theater, and that was one of the first movies. Because, like, when you're you know, you know, when you're 10, you're 12 years old, even up to then, you're like, okay, I'll go see pretty much anything if it's got X, Y, and Z in it, right? Because that's yeah. that's just my jam, but. <laughs> I think wild wild west was one of the first movies that I watched in the theaters and I was like this is garbage (laughs) this is straight like I remember sitting there going wait a minute wait a minute I like Will Smith I like old-timey stuff I like giant mechanical spiders yeah why is this terrible (laughs) I I remember being angry and I think that was like I seriously think that was one of the first times I was like huh I'm mad that I'm here I mean
0: this this was this was an extravaganza Will Smith Kevin Klein, yeah, huge Selma, Hayek, Selma Sir Hayek, Kenneth Branagh, yeah, and and by the way, Kevin Klein, uh, I I will Smith summertime
1: Klein. tentpole movie, and I was angry that I was in the movie theater watching it.
0: Kevin Klein is gold in just about everything he's been in. I love yeah. I love Kevin Klein because he's such an entertaining actor. Uh a pretty creditable ulysses s grant
1: i was about to say that is actually the best depiction of ulysses s grant i've seen it was
0: really good and
1: it's even better it's even better because i like jared harris a lot if you don't know who jared harris is he's a character actor he's done a lot of stuff he you might have seen him in chernobyl if you've watched that miniseries he's an unbelievable actor i love jared harris uh he was Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Spielberg's Lincoln movie, which, which I was adore. amazing, amazing, and he's ter- and he's not Ulysses S. Grant. He's terrible. At it. He's not like, <laughs> like that's not Ulysses S. Grant was kind of a soft-spoken, uh, kind of reserved person. He was also very small presence. Like he wasn't, like he wasn't the kind of guy who walked in a room. You knew who he was. Like yeah. he was, in fact, that that's there's so many, you know, anecdotes about Ulysses S. Grant is showing up places and nobody knows who the hell this guy is um and i don't know jared harris again great great actor just wrong for the part um but yeah and wild wild west they probably have they have a really great depiction of ulysses (laughs) s grant and uh the rest of the movie just absolute trash um and pat not or not pat and kevin smith tells a really good story about um uh (laughs) short schlubby guys anyway kevin smith tells a really (laughs) that's a really good story about the producer because he kevin smith was hired to do a treatment for superman a script treatment for superman in the 90s starring nick cage and um he has this like legendary story about the process of going through this and he's basically it's his interactions with this producer who's like a nut job like an absolute crazy person and he talks about how this producer was like obsessed was spiders like he wanted he wanted superman to fight a spider and that was like the biggest most insistent thing about this script that this producer had for notes for kevin smith and eventually of course the movie never got made um there you can actually look up their their uh, screen test shots of uh, nick cage in uh the superman suit but again didn't actually end up happening Uh, but kevin smith's punchline to this thing which i'm not really ruining because you still should really listen to the whole story (laughs) but his punchline is is that uh he remembers that the producer went on to you know co-produce wild wild west and and kevin smith is like okay i'll go see it and see what happens and then sure enough at the end of the movie there's a giant mechanical spider yes and kevin smith's like ah ah i knew it i knew it was gonna happen so so it's um, oh my god it's a it's a legendary story. I really recommend people check it out on YouTube. It's very funny. Kevin Smith is an unbelievable storyteller. Whatever you think of his actual like directing skills, uh dude. He's amazing. I love the guy. No, he's, I, awesome. he's he's got some hits, he's got some misses, but he's he's a great great storyteller and Ooh. um it's it's a really fun listen so i, I, I need to find
0: it. like an oral history of wild wild west just in general because the fact that you there, had Will i think Smith, there is Kevin a Kline, huge long
1: article hang on i'll Kevin see if i can Kline, Kenneth i know Brand, we're getting like Selma super high. off track but no but whatever. it's
0: great because it's the off season But uh, barry sonnenfeld directing and elmer bernstein doing the music like what you know this was just this was huge yeah uh, oh
1: Sonfeld, I like lo-
0: because he did uh, Men in Black, and I love yes, Men in right, Black. It's right, a, did Men in Black? It's, and so um, you know the, it's funny because you talk about how bad the movie was. Nominated for eight Razzies, it won five of them, uh, including worst picture, worst original song for Wild Wild West, which was worst Wild Wild West or or uh, Miami. I mean, because it was essentially the same song. You know, it's just the same. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it was the era. I know it was the era. Back to Jared Harris. You were talking about Jared Harris um a minute ago playing Ulysses S Grant in the film Lincoln a little bit of trivia I didn't know this because I always think of Jared Harris as Lane Price from Mad Men which was a show I absolutely loved yes he was fantastic yeah um and and when it became Sterling Cooper Draper Price uh jared harris's father was the late sir richard harris who played professor Dumbledore in the first two harry potter movies why did i know that i did not i didn't know that either it was a it was an interesting little piece of trivia i I learned the other day so you mentioned jared harris like oh this is my chance to share my piece of random trivia but you need to this this all goes back to ub40 and you need to Go search for the song UB40 Wild Wild West. Uh they did the song Red Red Wine, you know, red, red yeah. wine. You know, that's UB know forty. That that's UB40. Um gotcha. they also did, you know, kind of their reggae popish cover of Can't Help Falling in Love With You. You've almost you've almost certainly heard that. That was a that was a huge one um for them as well. The remastered Elvis, you know, classic. Uh, oh, you
1: know Camel. what? Real quick. Uh the reason why I was thinking of Pat oswald um is because he has a, also a story about wild wild west <laughs> oh my god everybody has a story about this movie well it's because okay he it was about the uh mtv movie awards he was a at the time what's and, he presenting and he played, something what's up? no he wasn't a presenter he was uh he was a he was hired to punch up the script so oh, he was, sure yeah so he was doing like you know script rewrites and stuff for that and he was actually there while will smith was um because will smith at the 1999 mtv music awards or movie awards or whatever the hell it was which was actually a big deal at the time people watched the hell out of that show um uh i guess was performing wild wild (laughs) west and so Patton oswald has a big long story about that too which is also very funny i recommend people check that out because that's That's also great that's very good
0: all right now the reason we were talking about wild wild west uh, was because college let's just take the segue right back to uh its origin story yeah. the wild wild west is what i've been describing is the modern particularly college basketball college football um and and college basketball with relation to the influx of the 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 uh intersectionality of name image and likeness the transfer portal this era of the player really kind of dictating the terms of the game where for, you know, in essence, it's the entirety of college sports, you know, the university, and then to a lesser extent, the coach has has been the driving force. of so this is how it's going to work. Uh, NIL and the transfer portal has, has flipped the script, has, has dumped the whole thing on its head Thursday night. Uh, while the NFL draft was percolating, Miami guard Isaiah Wong became the latest flashpoint in this whole crazy evolution of college sports with his ad, a, agent telling ESPN that Wong would enter the transfer portal if he didn't get more NIL money. <laughs> Now this came after uh, news broke that Kansas State transfer Nigel Pack would be getting eight hundred thousand dollars in a car as part of his NIL deal with the Hurricanes, and Wong said, "No bueno, I want more money." Now, here's here's the thing I just find really interesting about this: one, that this is all, in my mind, totally predictable. Sure, we all should have seen this coming, and two, it is all the more unbelievable that thus far the NCAA has done jack shit with regard to trying to bring some semblance of sanity to this process now I will add the I will add the uh, disclaimer that I don't necessarily have a solution in mind for what they should do but the fact is they have had low these many years to figure this crap out and and have not done so add to the long saga the news then later in the weekend that uh Pittsburgh's Jordan Addison said he may transfer to University of Southern California for a huge NIL deal and Pitt isn't taking it lying down they're claiming tampering uh yeah probably so uh and and suddenly USC is not only a, a lot more interesting but Lincoln Riley has become one of the biggest villains in college sports between how he dumped his former team in Oklahoma and, and now the number of players that they seem to be buying into uh, the USC program, literally and or figuratively. Uh, so what, what, what do we what do we take away from this, Johnny? Is it is it OK that things are so bat crap crazy and you have people mm-hmm. transferring before they've ever seen the field? I mean, we've had stories here of people transferring after one semester yeah. at their school. Some of these early enrollees who are putting their well, name in the portal. first. I mean, transfer. that's literally
1: what Quinn yours did
0: that's literally what Quinn Ewers did. Absolutely. I, I, you know, you and I have both been proponents of player mobility and players being able to, you know, make their pieces of silver off this deal. But is this what we envisioned?
1: Uh, can I, can I say yes, actually? Like, I don't, I mean, I'm going to be, i'm gonna be straight up real like i don't care (laughs) like it's it's funny to me how much handling there is i was i was watching uh or watching i was going through twitter and i i forget who posted it they're like is this really what we want i'm like kind of i don't i mean i don't really i'm surprised that people are surprised that this is the end result of nil because and, and here's two things, two things about this. And this is really, I'm, I'm genuinely curious how people feel about this. And maybe they can, you know, put in something and ask us anything about it, or write in the comments or whatever. But like, what's the problem here? <laughs> like, yes, you know, there's there's more player mobility, okay. And yes, they're they're asking for money and things like that. Um, but like, what's wrong? Like, why is this bad? Because It doesn't make me enjoy college football less uh players who are making millions of dollars for their universities by playing a game are getting paid finally is it more nakedly like opportunistic yes but that just kind of in my opinion reflects what it's always been so i i I don't like why is this bad i guess is my biggest question why is this bad
0: well, uh so the answer to that question, at least in terms of why it's perceived as bad. and I want to make sure that what I'm saying here is it's the perception of it. Yeah, why, no, I I'm, i of why, would love to hear why the other it's side perceived is, as bad is because the thing we love about amateur sports is is the story of a kid like Dwayne Haskins, Rest His Soul who literally grew up to be an ohio state fan you know that you have the video of him as a young kid dreaming of playing for his school that Mm -hmm. that's that you know that it's it's wholesome it's amateur sports as opposed to because the the bloom's been off the rose for a long long time that you know uh professional athletes are not necessarily good people they're not you know as as charles barkley infamously said you know they're not they shouldn't be your role models uh, you know, they're very mercenary. I mean, why do people hate LeBron James? Because LeBron James is willing to pick up and go wherever is his best opportunity. And people hate yeah. that because they feel jilted even though it has literally nothing to do with them (laughs) right um we 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 feel like that's my
1: point though right well it doesn't have anything to do with you like it doesn't you
0: you and i both know that the reason we're called fans is short for fanatics yeah and so you're fanatical if you're a fan of the cleveland cavaliers you can't understand why anyone would not want to play for your team forever particularly if you are just a kid from akron same same story here you know if you're uh, a fan of, of ohio state university sports you cannot imagine why on earth anyone would want to go and play somewhere else you just had two wide receivers drafted in the first round and you get to play in the most iconic stadium known to man for the winningest program and and so on and so on and so forth right so th- that the fan perception is hey this is the thing that was different about amateur sports that it was for the love of the game it wasn't just about the godforsaken money like does everything have to be about money the answer is probably yeah everything's about money at some level or at least you know when we get to as you noted correctly, the hundreds of millions of dollars that are generated by every single power five program. Like there's a lot of money there. So of course it's going to be about money, but that's Mm -hmm. the perception issue is that all of a sudden it's Quinn Ewers playing Ohio state. So he can take a year off school and bank a million dollars like that. Just, it felt, it feels shady for lack of a better term that it's like, Hey, you know what, Ohio state got used for money. Now, normally it's the other way around, right? Like, Ohio State's yeah. using people for
1: money. That's but my feels- thing. Like, that's why I don't care. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I understand that fans are like, oh, I'm betrayed. But, like, it's not, it's not about you. <laughs> it's, it's about whether or not the sport is interesting. It's about whether or not the teams can field an interesting you know, like product on the field. We always talked about the product on the field, right? Well, okay, these are human beings who are the product. They are allowed a certain measure of autonomy. And if that's like, here, here's why I think the dissonance exists is that people have this same mentality about college sports and amateurism that existed in the 1940s and 50s, right? Where it's like, okay, they're just doing it for the love of the game and they're student athletes and student comes first and that's great but that's not the reality of the sport that we've been watching for the past two or three decades. Like before NIL, before any of this stuff, we're talking about hundreds of millions, literally billions of dollars coming in Ohio state has an athletic department budget of $200 million. Like you're not, I guess what I'm saying is, and what frustrates me is that you can't look at one of those things and then demand the other, because it doesn't work that way. If you want to, have that quaint 1950s college feel well guess what college sports has to be has to revert back to that okay no big fancy bowls no big giant you know traveling around the world can't have these huge television contracts sorry you're just gonna watch on your local news maybe and then hopefully you'll get to see it you know nationally televised game there won't be any big cable you know like you're not gonna see every single ohio state game that's ever been broadcast You won't have access to that with big 10 plus or all this other crap that can't exist because you want to have a world where college athletes are wearing Birkenstocks and Letterman jacket. Like, I'm sorry. That's like, that's, that's the choice you make. And so if we want to deal with the reality of college sports being huge, big time business, then we must also deal with the reality of college athletes being a part of that business. And so I, I don't, see the problem. I don't see it. Like I love watching Ohio state football because it's fun and it's interesting. And there are still storylines There are still like, you know, you're talking about, you know, with Dwayne Haskins and, and that story about, you know, going to Ohio state and meeting Jim Trestle and that's great. That still exists. People still love, I mean, there are still all kinds of awesome stories and awesome people in these programs that we can talk about and have fun learning about. Uh, it just happens that now they're going to be compensated for their efforts, commensurate to what the sport has become. Um, so for me, the issue is, and and I'm
0: 100% on board with everything you just said. Uh, and, and like I said, you and I have been, I think, pretty uh, pretty open about being supportive of, of both player mobility and players getting their slice of the pie. I I think the the thing that it feels like has to change. It feels like what we have now is not sustainable in the sense that i don't think it's healthy for the sport it's not healthy for the players it's not healthy for the coaches it's not healthy for the institutions but why, have... but
1: why not why not what's what's not healthy about well okay it? Like, One that's my thing,
0: question w- well one thing is i you know we talked about this uh last week with the exit of, of jay Wright. you know if if i were a coach of a certain age i wouldn't want to deal with this anymore what you know yeah. it, how how can you expect and and i, I don't think anybody should feel sorry for let me, let me state this. I'm going to say two things that seem contradictory, but I, but I feel them both. No one should feel sorry for uh, a professional football coach or basketball coach who's making more than a half (laughs) million dollars a year. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel sorry (laughs) for you. I, I don't. And at the same time, you know, like we normal working stiffs talk about work life balance all the time. You know, I've, I've felt burnout at my day job and I don't have to kiss the asses of a uh, hundred different teenagers every year who now also, in addition to needing their asses kicked, kissed and wiped to get them to come to my school also need $800,000 contracts in a car like that, mm-hmm. you know, so having to deal with the roster management that you're constantly now not it used to be at least, you know, if you were before the portal, you were only having to, to coddle those incoming recruits, your team, you know, you didn't have to worry about the roster management of your team unless you're Nick, you know, you were Nick Saban and you were processing guys to get them out to make room for the new recruits. But yeah. now, like, you have a full time job of just trying to keep your current players happy so they don't enter the portal. And at the same time, go out and try to find new players from the portal. And at the same time, worry about recruiting players on the normal recruiting playing field and at the same time worry about how nil has changed that aspect of it so i I just look and say um you know if if i were one of those coaches so what i think it's going to do is it's going to drive up the price of coaches more because you know my god if you expect me to do that and do it well you better be paying me 10 million dollars a year because you know and so then you wonder like when we talk about ceo pay in the business world like how high is too high well i don't know how much of a headache is it you know, yeah. like what, like how much? You know, so and it varies wildly,
1: and it varies wildly, right? it varies wildly
0: <laughs> which is why CEO pay varies so wildly, and which is why yeah. head coaching salaries vary so wildly. But if you think about, like when we were talking about some of these guys in, in college football ranks who become ten million dollar men, uh, you know, getting a hundred thousand, hundred million dollar contract or whatnot. Hey, you know what? If I was doing that now, you damn right, you better pay me ten million dollars sure. a year because this
1: uh, I is think- madness. I think there will be a correction and there has to be a general. Yeah. And it's not. And the thing about, and I I mean, we talked about this last time, which is like, you know, if a guy's getting a million dollars before he's played a snap and then he ends up being a bust, he's not going to keep getting that money from, you know, boosters, businesses, whatever, if they're not seeing any kind of return on that. Um, So I, I do think there will eventually be some adjustment. I think, first of all, I think it's too new. Uh, for people to draw any wide conclusions about NIL and what's going to do college sports. Secondly, I don't think the people who are upset about it really have well-defined what what they're upset about. I think they just don't like the fact that it's changing so rapidly, which is fine. I mean, that's still a fair critique. Like you, you know, especially since the NCAA has done nothing to prepare for it and completely rendered themselves irrelevant uh, in the wake of all these changes. Um, I think that's a fair criticism. But ultimately I, I think that people need to like step back from the ledge a little bit because I've just seen these dire predictions about how college sports are going to collapse. I'm like, well, how, why, how, that, if, if anything, they're going to get stronger because this is like more incentive incentive to pump money into it. So I don't, I don't really see how that's possible. Um, maybe college sports, as you know, it might change, uh, but that's, that's part of life. I,
0: I think it will exacerbate the inequalities that are already baked into the system you'll see this more with college football certainly so like you know a team but uh, but,
1: so you're saying like a powerhouse like maybe from uh, the southeastern conference might win like six out of ten championships or something like that like it might that might be the result exactly
0: right like if we've been we've already been talking about you know one of the reasons that people think we should expand the playoff and i say we as though i have a seat on the table Mm -hmm. um one of the reasons cited for expanding the playoff is that then maybe maybe a team like Cincinnati wouldn't have to hold its breath that it might get into the playoff if the right people ahead of it lose right so you why would that be the case well because Cincinnati wasn't one of the the chosen few in a power five conference of course that's going to change but but you know the discussion has been well it's the same six teams who have won as you yeah you so let's expand the
1: like that's what i'm saying man like so I that's, don't see but, how that's
0: well no i'm a big fan of expanding the playoff yeah Heck yeah i think right but i think i think expanding the playoff is a good thing but so one of the reasons for that is to say hey we've got this tremendous inequality right now in uh this you know you talk about parity so in the nfl in theory because you have a salary cap and the way you do the draft and some of these kind of things there there is some measure of uh, or at least an attempt at At forcing parity, so that it's a more interesting product and so on, because nobody likes it when the Patriots win, you know, six out of ten right Super Bowls in a row, right? So, then when you you take that to to this, so where's the money going to go? Logically, it's going to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. Those are the programs that are going to have the so the programs that are already in the driver's seat. They're not suddenly going to be worse off, right? Like they're because they're going to have the resources because they've already had the resources. Uh, I which by the way, this is not a reason for me to say we shouldn't have NIL. The ship has sailed on that. I think the thing that really that the the weekend stories, both the uh Jordan Addison story and and the Isaiah Wong story, I think one of the things that bothers me on a personal level. It, and it starts with the recruiting process. Like I get frosted every time um, you see a kid, you know, uh, talking about like their, their commitment, the word commitment always bothers me because very few of them, it feels like actually follow through on the term commitment. You're committed in urban Meyer used to say, right? Like a, a verbal commitment just means you're in the kid's top three. And I think that's even, I saw one the other day, we were talking about a recruit and slack. I don't remember who it was and It's not important, but their phrase in there, they were putting out a, a top, like top 10 list or something and the phrase was uh these are my top 10 for right now mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like my god this is the most honest thing that's ever been written on <laughs> on twitter because the kid is right. in essence you know in essence saying openly like i'm a teenager with flights of fancy and whims and this shit's going to change over the course of the next year before i sign my deal and the money makes that even more it's all out in the open now which i think is a good thing i think transparency yep. is a good thing but i think it really has it has really shined the light on the long situation in the Jordan uh, Addison situation in particular has really shined the light on just how mercenary it, it really is now so the correction to me that has to happen so the marketplace will do some correcting right like as you noted the boosters the donors the whomevers the collectives they're not going to shell out a bunch of money if it doesn't pay off that, that eventually the money will dry up if, if it's not paying off uh, but the correction I feel like that has to happen is, and and it may not happen until you have players organized in some sort of collective bargaining deal as they have in the professional leagues, which we've talked about on the show before, there has to be some like breaks built into the system. So we talk about that coaches can go anywhere. Like this is the argument for player mobility is that coach mobility is pretty unrestricted, but there is at least some financial penalties and incentives in the system. You know, a coach either has a buyout clause or there's there are performance incentives or longevity incentives, you know, into the contracts. There's some um, repercussions if you leave willy-nilly and, and well, what right now there just aren't for the players. Like, yeah, you like what
1: repercussions for the I mean the coaches the repercussions are literally they just don't get paid their whole contract, right? Like or their next school buys them
0: out, right? Or the next school, or next school the buys them out. But it's not what, there's but, no but, there's but in no theory, no it's there, But in theory it's there. I guess it's not, I guess it's not that big of a deal for the coach if the school's paying for yeah, it. They don't so care. Not so why pocket, there shouldn't
1: but. be repercussions for the players then, right? Like it should be on the school. Maybe, I don't know how you would do that, but like, I, you know, unless you cause here's the thing you don't want to give, you're not giving these kids guaranteed contracts, right? You're giving them that's, scholarships, that's good... which can be rescinded at basically any time. You're not giving them four-year scholarships, which you could do if you wanted to. Some and places by the way, do
0: that, don't they? I mean, some, some do that, don't some they? Some I mean, do, but, I know, but I'm I know saying like, it's not a widespread it, but... <laughs> yeah, practice. It's not sure,
1: something sure. that you see a lot. So my point is is that, again, this is where we're trying to like have it both ways. If you want to treat the players like you would treat a coach, like an employee, then then do that you're more than welcome to do that give them a contract give them benefits right make it guaranteed if you want if you really are that have that much faith and then should they want to transfer then they can take hits all that kind of stuff that's fine but that's my point yeah see i think
0: that's where i want them to go is i think i think i want them to get to the point where it it is it's because the thing that i and i think i'm probably with a lot of fans on this i'm 100 on board with uh, you know, hey, Dabo, shut up! Uh, quit your whining. Make it a four-year guaranteed contract. Yeah, do right by the players. I'm on board with that. What I don't like is a Nigel. Uh, I I started to uh hybridize Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. Uh, what I don't like is having Isaiah Wong in the media saying, "Hey, I'm going to move if you don't give me more money." And yeah. like that's that part of it. I just think it's it's. I don't know. It just feels dirty. Uh, it, it just feels, feels di- and, but- and and I think it's probably just, I mean, you've made the point and I don't disagree with you that it's dirt. It just feels dirty because it's different. Yeah. Uh, it's not what we're used to. And, and, and going back to the fan part of it. So on part of the reason that the Quinn Ewers situation is so annoying is because again, you, you know, you have an affinity for your team, whatever your team is, if it's Ohio state or Miami or USC or whomever you have this affinity for your team. And so you feel like the jilted lover Mm -hmm. uh that oh my gosh this smarmy little bastard has the opportunity to make hundreds of thousands (laughs) of dollars playing for my team who the hell does he think he is well you know that's sort of that's that sort of thing
1: let let me let me wrap this up real quick and i'll just say this okay i'm a reds fan (laughs) (laughs) so the amount of stupidity poor thing you (laughs) that's right i'm a reds fan and a big old fan and up till this up until this you know past season obviously you know that that also could lay claim to something pretty. so i'm just saying as a fan of, of very of two very dumb historically professional sports teams, I have a hard time uh, saying like, "Well, this is just you know, it's going to be just like professional sports. It's going to be terrible." I'm like, okay, professional sports already kind of sucks in a lot of ways, <laughs> so it's hard for me to really like cry too many tears about it because I'm like, anything would be better than what I have been you know had to bear witness to. Uh, for several decades at this point so I'm not really that pressed about it and like the thing is is that I if you're an Ohio State fan uh, I I don't think you have too much to complain about oh, here no, yeah, I think you're fine I think we're fine yeah. I'm not really too worried about it You know, yeah Quinn yours is, is gonna peace out and go to Texas that's fine Texas didn't have anybody drafted in the NFL draft this year so <laughs>
0: yeah you know absolutely
1: either he's the savior of that program or he's not and ohio state's going to keep chugging along with probably the best quarterback in the country and i'm less um,
0: upset about the quinn ewers situation because you know in one sense like i get it he's from texas that is his you know good for his, you're, yeah. you're not talking about a columbus kid jilting ohio state to go yeah. to texas for the money like that part so yeah the ewers thing doesn't actually bother me it's just a helpful example
1: I'm uh, sure all the Cal fans literally of Rancho Cucamonga are really PO'd about, yeah. you know, CJ Stroud, but I don't care. Like he's at Ohio State. <laughs> uh,
0: I wanted to spend some time talking about Mark Emmert. However, we're going to shelf that for next week, because I think um, the moral of the story is that all of the problems we've just talked about are actually Mark Emmert's fault and he can be 100% blamed for it. So we will uh, we will take time to uh, tap dance on the corpse of his career uh, next Episode. But Jonathan have, india
1: going to the injured list. Uh and reds are three and nineteen. Just want to point that out. Yeah, there's a anyway. reason I
0: stopped. What the reds are actually probably the reason I stopped watching baseball some years ago. They're now so that bad. you right get right down to it. Uh, but I, we have a truckload of letters in the mailbag. So I want to get to our favorite segment of the program. Ask us anything, which, like the entire dubcast, is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriorscom Hats, t-shirts, stickers. All of the goods you need in your life, drygoods.11warriors.com. Go there. Buy early, buy often. All right, Johnny, off to the mailbag with us.
1: So you can send us questions to the Dubcast by sending them to dubcast at 11warriors.com. This is from Tim uh who wants to know uh what was our most odd job could it be the nature of the work the people the commute or any other aspect his was when he was one of the guys who held the stop/slow, stop slash slow slot stop stop slash slow sign say that five times fast for odot and between high school and attending ohio state met some interesting folks and some saw some interesting things just for holding a sign nice. Uh, that's a good one i like that one tim i would say i so i'll i'll say two One was I worked for a British tennis company called T-M-E-Y-E. So (laughs) T-M-I, and I logged uh, tennis matches. I like sat in a production booth and looked at a little TV screen with a timestamp at the bottom. And I logged tennis matches for the big ATP tour uh, event down in Cincinnati. And what I would do is I would make highlight uh, compilations like, like paper lists of, you know, when things happened and then i would make copies of that and then run it out to the various media production booths including espn so i guess maybe they made some of their highlight reels based on my info i thought it was kind of cool i got paid a hundred dollars a day under the table that was great i just showed up and they hand me a baggie full of money and that was fun um and i also did uh phone interviews for the ohio department of public safety to gauge the efficacy of um seatbelt Campaigns like buckle your seatbelt campaigns. That was awesome. also weird.
0: I love that. I don't know if I have any real like weird uh jobs that I've done. Uh I worked for John Deere once. So when we were um students, and this wasn't weird, it was just this was kind of a it was an interesting experience. When I was a college student, a lot of ag a lot of ag majors worked for Deere. And they had a parts depot. I don't know if it's still there or not, truth be told, out on Georgesville Road. Basically, it was a huge warehouse uh, full of John Deere OEM parts. And, you know, basically it was, it was a very typical sort of like distribution center type job. Think about it like in the modern parlance would be like working at Amazon and going through and picking orders. Right. So you'd walk up to the counter and you'd pick up a dot matrix printer printout of some, uh, customer's parts order or some John Deere dealership. Most of the time it was, it was dealers, not individual customers, but you'd, you know, say here, this dealership in Walla Walla, Washington is, ordered these 87 parts on this week's shipment and you would take your little hand cart or if it was big parts uh you might hop on like a little cushman um you know tow motor kind of thing and zip around the warehouse picking those parts as fast as you could as accurately as you could because you Mm. were graded on both speed and accuracy of your picks and you'd go and you'd put them in a box and slap the shipping label and throw them on the conveyor belt down to whichever uh, shipment method was was being used. Um, that was really interesting. And, and I I didn't mind the job so much. The lady I worked for was a jerk. Um, there nah. was uh, a friend of mine from back home, uh, a friend of the family um, was killed in a car crash or something the quarter that I worked there. So back when Ohio State was still in quarters and I needed to go home for the funeral. And so I, I told her, I said, hey, I'm going to be gone tomorrow um it was a death in the family kind of thing or friend of the family and I, I gotta go back home for the funeral so i you know i need to find somebody to cover my shift you know and, you know and i was i was asking for some reason i was letting her know both i was going to be there and that i was trying to find somebody to cover my shift something along those lines and she lit into me you know that about like how of uh you know being there was the most important thing and you know, if i couldn't be there i need to be committed to the job and so on and so forth and i and i said to her i said lady you know look every piece of farm equipment uh, on our farm is is John Deere branded equipment my dad's worked for a John Deere dealership for 20 years my brother is a John Deere certified mechanic right. uh, our family is more committed to John Deere than anybody else in this building uh you need me more than I need you basically yeah. and that was the only time I've ever more or less stormed off a job in a huff well I
1: think that was earned I oh you, uh, yeah was-
0: yeah it was like and it was one of those things that you know, you don't get to do that when you're an adult and you have a mortgage and, you know, like responsibilities, but when you're, you know, a sophomore in college or whatever, and you really didn't need the money that bad. And there's always another job for, you know, a college student that was paying. Cause that job was probably paying at the time, what seven bucks an hour or something stupid like that. So it was like, you know, they really, I, I just, I was like, I wasn't going to work for a boss who didn't understand, you know, the importance of people
1: yeah and you should so
0: so so i walked that was that was an interesting job um you know we're my my jobs have otherwise been pretty normal i mean i worked retail at tractor supply in high school sold advertising for the last all nine years probably you know spent nine years in traditional terrestrial broadcast radio uh you know was a writer for the period in between those two times so you know pretty pretty straightforward gigs all things considered i guess Hmm.
1: Well, I mean it's it is about the people you meet sometimes though too. I mean well, I delivered I delivered auto parts for a couple summers and uh not a crazy job, but definitely meet some crazy people. So
0: and maybe maybe working, you know, maybe working as uh an sometimes when I worked in radio because I was an ag news reporter and people say, Oh, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a farm broadcaster, and they would look glad you like you just said <laughs> you had three <laughs> arms or something along those lines. Like I guess I work in such a niche area of media that yeah you know it felt like a weird job although it's it's not i'm a journalist yeah it's just it wasn't it wasn't weird to me but because most people have never heard of a farm broadcaster farm radio broadcaster like that was the maybe that was the weird part of it i guess yeah
1: all right well this one here this is from uh kieran uh, our good friend Kieran. kieran yeah big fan of uh kieran uh hi andy and johnny can you really separate the artist from the art my dad makes this point about michael jackson all the time sometimes i think it's I, you know what here's the thing a lot of it has to do with uh, i think what the artist did <laughs> you know what i mean like can you contextualize what happened it's about the time period like pablo picasso for example horrible human being just a just an awful person in a lot of ways uh, also one of the greatest you know artists in human history just unbelievably talented and, and amazing and i think when you're talking about someone who has made that kind of impact and that kind of, um, you know, change in, in a medium like that, I, I think it's sometimes it's important to contextualize the person. Um, on the other hand, if it's like, I don't know. I mean, Michael Jackson, again, huge name, biggest name in music for decades, you know, I don't know. It, it's hard. And I think sometimes you just have to do it on a person by person basis. I, I think that really what it is. You, you have to look at the person, you have to look at the art and you have to kind of make a determination for yourself. I don't know that there's a blanket answer to that because sometimes what somebody did is so horrific and, and awful that you can't separate the art from the artist. And like, I'll be honest, the remix to Ignition it should be our national anthem. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> by all rights, it's, it's, it's awesome. the greatest American song ever made. Love it. But R. Kelly is a horrible P.O.S. Dirtbag. And... Absolutely you know, deserves a rot in jail for the rest of his life and so i don't I, I can't the more i learn about that dude the less i can listen to that song and enjoy it which really sucks
0: that's a good um, example I, w- I was thinking about bill cosby oh god uh, bill
1: Cosby's same deal man because I mean, bill cosby, I mean i
0: have this great affinity for the cosby show it was one of the greatest sure. shows ever made and uh, you and i were talking about when we were talking about comedians um you know we we when when Miranda and I first started dating um you know she would pop the Cosby CDs and the CD player when we were like on long car trips or something along those lines they're hilarious I mean I still love to listen to some of the it's just you know it's a different era different type of comedy so you know separating the the art from the artist I I think you're spot on with it 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 depends on what they did and and that sort of thing and I also think you know it's it's different for every individual like I think I, I would have no qualms about, you know, saying I would still enjoy listening to some of those bits because they're really funny and timeless classic comedy. Uh, and, and at the same time, you know, acknowledge that that's kind of an uncomfortable, awkward thing yeah. to say or admit because, you know, people, and, and it depends on, you know, your, and, and the, you know, and it changes over time too, because your Picasso example is a good one. There was a time when people just understood or said, you know, genius and madness are pretty close. It was just sort of like this. You've got to be a womanizing
1: piece of crap. If you're an artist, that's how (laughs) it works. Well,
0: you know, know, it it, it maybe not that specifically that, but, but just that, Hey, there's a, well, what's the difference between being crazy and being eccentric? You know, it's how much money you have in the bank, right? Like (laughs) at a a certain point. Right. right.
1: And and that's the and, and people do, I mean, standards change over time and that's fine. I mean, that's how, that's part of it. But I, I do think there are a lot of people who like, I don't know, they, they grew up at a certain time and place and they're like, wait a minute, you're saying that like this guy isn't acceptable. Like, yeah. Because that's, that's right, crap right. changes. Sorry. That's yeah. Just, that's and,
0: and two, you know, the, the, the other, you know, the other part of it is like acknowledging that things that we find entertaining or things that we find noteworthy as, as art Um, whether we're talking about like you know literal art or music or uh, television or comedy or whatever like what's funny changes over time not just not just the Uh, what's acceptable, not just the what's acceptable part of it but you know like going back and watching um, like Andy Griffith say for example like I Mm -hmm. love Andy Griffith but you know and I heard some Andy Griffith comedy along the lines of some of those Cosby CDs and you know you're listening to the laugh track before a live studio audience kind of thing and you know people thought this stuff's hilarious and like if yeah. you listen to it now you'd be like huh it's <laughs> not funny know, you know it's like <laughs> wait a minute some bad dad jokes in
1: here kind <laughs> of thing but <laughs> well it's like it's one of my thing, one of my favorite things were um oh god i can't remember what the simpsons were making fun of but uh oh it was an they were making fun of they were watching a live broadcast of lake Wobegon, and uh by the way garrison keeler has he has his own problems with being a pos yeah. uh and and that's why i ended up leaving uh that show but yeah. um uh but they're watching a garrison keeler uh cypher you know they're they're you know a guy a parody of garrison keeler on this live broadcast of uh npr and like whoa we're gone and you know it's going through his cadence and they're like yeah you know all the all the children are playing and polite and all the men and women are polite and playing and And the audience is like losing their minds (laughs) and and part is like looking around you're like what the hell is so funny (laughs) what's wrong with these people and then yeah and then homer like goes up and like slams on the tv is like stupid tv be more funny like (laughs) because it does there's some things that just are funny and there's some things that aren't and that changes over time and and sometimes garrison keeler isn't funny my dad actually saw garrison keeler in an airport in new york city uh a long time ago before all his crap came out and uh shook his hand and said he was you know really like wow i love you man um there's also today, a reason. That... i don't know that he'd do that well um, there's
0: there's also a reason they say never meet your hero oh sure yeah because he's apparently
1: a huge pos just in general outside of uh, the accusations and stuff i mean on on, on
0: the one hand you know you have exactly what we're talking about that hey you know just because somebody's a brilliant artist or actor or singer or whatever doesn't mean that they're a good person and 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 then you know too like in the broader the broader sense uh
1: you know you you don't know (laughs) like what all
0: because you see somebody on camera or television or whatnot like now on the other
1: hand sometimes they're genuinely the best people and when as we've said many times you know greatest america greatest two people that america's ever produced are dolly parton and uh, fred rogers and sometimes it just works out they're every bit is every bit as good as you think that's right still getting books from uh we're only we're only a few months into the uh, imagination library which i gotta you know i gotta throw out a, a shout out to dolly parton's imagination library but god what an awesome thing She's incredible. um all right so let's let's move on here this is from matt and matt says this is uh also awesome listener matt uh marvel's a-listers were the x-men and spider-man for a long time uh yeah. in his opinion prior to the mcu none you know the avengers were a-listers i would say that's fairly accurate um so and he's telling it Andy his gym screen name for heartbeat and zone display on the big board was Captain America. Yeah. Uh, even though he is a Wolverine fanboy, although that's that's fair too. Wolverine pretty cool. yeah uh, First appearance in the Incredible Hulk. Uh on that note, who do you think is more culturally important group of the Marvel characters? Captain America as a man of time or the X-Men with their tie in the civil rights movement or someone else? Uh PS r.i.p Chadwick Boseman. Um and and Noble on and, and on
0: and on that like the chadwick boseman thing i we we still uh the stunning mrs vance and i why like it's will will be channel serving you'll see some not just black panther of course but the number of fantastic things that chadwick Bozeman were in
1: and we'll just stop and watch and, and yeah. it's like you know he's really that, magnetic he, oh, that was the i mean the thing incredible. there's just some actors who have it and who don't and he was just you know I don't think he was always the best actor in a movie. I I think sometimes he was, but the thing about him is just, you you were just always curious about what he was going to do next. Like he was just an interesting magnetic guy on screen and great choice for a black Panther. Um, did you did you little... see
0: did you see Bozeman Sorry. as as James Brown and, and get on up?
1: I didn't, and I and that's the oh one I God, gotta see because I know I know it. he like I know that's like his best role, like that's the one that he really just killed it, and I really really want to see that one. Like
0: to that that to me, I mean, put it on put it on stage. i It's still Jamie Fox as Ray Charles was uh, to to me was incredible, absolutely yeah, that's incredible. Uh, that movie's
1: not very good, but he's unbelievable in it. He's so good. He, he
0: he was fantastic. I mean, absolutely uh oscar worthy uh, without yeah. question but but to me uh bozeman's portrayal of james brown on that on that same echelon of of great
1: i'll have to check that out is I'll really good. Check yeah that yeah,
0: out. yeah do, 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 that's your homework go watch it and let me know if it's as good as i'm making it out to be all right back to the mcu
1: no it's fine so the thing is captain america i think is has a lot of cultural relevance but maybe more so uh, when he was brought back in the 60s what you know with the Avengers and whatnot however and I didn't get to talk about this last time. One of the greatest, I think, comic book storylines in history is when um they did this kind of all the president's men uh, send up a little bit, and, and they talk like there's this shadowy, you know, figure in the government, and, and who's like trying to take down stuff, and Captain America follows all these breadcrumbs and tries to figure out who the mastermind is, and it turns out it's the president of the united states who in this case in the comics is a very thinly veiled richard nixon uh, who then commits suicide and this is like right after um this is like right after watergate so wow. captain yeah captain america has had some pretty incisive uh storylines uh, i think is a really important character i think the x-men still top them though i mean magneto and professor x were explicitly written as analogs for martin luther king and malcolm x um that stanley has said that repeatedly that that's that was the intent um obviously they're a stand-in for the issues of the civil rights movement that's that's you know just text it's not even subtext that's that's basically exactly what they were going for so i think in that sense um there's a lot of cultural relevance i think um don't sleep on spider-man too much there was a lot of commentary about um i think growing up as a teenager and not having a lot of money and working crappy jobs as a kid that i think spider-man really tapped into for a lot of people but overall i still agree i think the x-men as far as social commentary goes probably is um and culturally you know relevant i would say probably the x-men is is pretty clearly the winner on that
0: you know and the thing that just continues to amaze me about the x-men and their their cultural relevance we talked about this last week when we mentioned captain america and the fact that you know now you know pushing god 80 90 years later still relevant um still relevant and you could my god you could say that about the x-men you know how how relevant you know that they've and they've been able to come through you know that original trilogy of movies uh in in 2000 well go back i mean my gosh i remember it was a huge hugely popular cartoon series mm-hmm. um when you know in our in our younger days and we were watching cartoons on on broadcast television uh the you know original trilogy of movies uh it was the brian
1: singer trilogy i think in the early 2000s uh, speaking of guys that <laughs> you have to you know think about how to contextualize their work right like yeah that's the thing though and it, it it pops up so often i'm sorry it's like coming yeah. back into this question too but um yeah. i will say one of the cool things about the x-men movies where they you know silver another civil rights issue right where they talk about like lbgtq rights and 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 that that was an analog i think when they uh for um oh god i can't remember the name of the character but um anyway they, they were talking about like you know coming out as a mutant right like there was a yeah, right, explicit right. reference to that
0: yeah and absolutely.
1: I was like that's that's actually incredibly clever and insightful like I appreciate that 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 takes a social issue and talks about it in a way that's irrelevant maybe people will understand a little bit more about it so yeah, the x-men are great because you really can um i think make a make them relevant in a lot of different ways as time goes on i think i think they're a really great group of uh, characters and
0: it's funny that you'd mentioned spider-man because before we started recording we were literally watching uh the toby McGuire, the first toby mcguire Spider-Man oh yeah movie That's because so so we we did the whole mcu series with with our daughter we're big yeah. we, we're big marvel fans here at, at our house so we had gone through and watched the entire mcu well so now we've got a you know prep for we're still one behind here with uh, uh far from home and or nowhere no way home i'm sorry uh, that movie's
1: sick by the way it's, well, it's really really good
0: and so now you understand why we were watching toby yeah, well, you gotta watch we, it like, we we need to introduce uh the little tyke to Toby now, McGuire, Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's are you going to before-
1: watch? Okay, so you're going to watch the Andrew Garfield ones, too, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, those yeah. movies aren't as good, but Andrew Garfield is great.
0: And you know, you know what's amazing to me is like I, after watch, like after watching originally with watching the Tobey Maguire movies yeah uh you're like oh my god toby mcguire was so good at spider-man at that time at that time like oh my gosh sure, yeah. he was so good at spider-man and then andrew garfield comes in and I go, oh my god toby mcguire was terrible because andrew garfield is <laughs> that is absolutely peter parker and then and then
1: you get to uh um, yeah, tom holland tom holland and you're like fantastic
0: holy crap he's the best one of the three and it's not even close
1: now i will tell you something i'm not spoiling <laughs> it i mean you know they're so you know yeah, the yeah, premise yeah, yeah. right yep, you Know that they're right. all in it yep i'm yep. going to tell you something it's a great movie. I'm not going to spoil what happens or anything like that. Uh, Andrew Garfield is the best part of that movie, like hands down. He's not in a lot of it; like he's in about a third of it. But yeah. hands down, the most fun, entertaining part of that movie. He's so good, and and what they do to differentiate the various Spider Men and like their attitudes and how things are going with them. He's the best. He is so much fun to watch in that movie, and uh, you, you're actually you leave it kind of upset that uh they did him so dirty by putting him in not very good movies yeah. um he's really fun in that movie uh so our last question here this is from a good friend alvin who simply wants to know what is something you had to learn unlearn excuse me what is something you had to unlearn from your childhood and my answer is uh that the tongue map where it says like different parts of your tongue taste different flavors that's yeah. that's bs that's complete crap that's not true that's not absolutely not what do yeah. you mean it's not true your your tongue all parts of your tongue can taste all different types of you know tastes there's yeah it's bs it doesn't it's not real
0: i swear to god we like learned that in science class
1: yeah i know dude it's totally wrong it's completely that's not like, true. Look it up right now it's completely I wrong I, there's an article in smithsonian magazine i just i googled it it's total it. trash it's not real huh yeah wow. that ain't real okay. all right now when that's <laughs> all i get and yeah then. it's literally it was literally in science textbooks that's the funniest part about it that's like, crazy. hey, yeah, kids, this is how it works. Like, nope, incorrect. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So there you go. That's <laughs> you just unlearned. Yeah, it. I don't know if I got anything on that one. And well, now um, you do.
0: Yeah, that blows my mind. Well, apparently there's stuff like that that I didn't even know I didn't know or
1: didn't yeah. know that I knew were wrong. Yeah, that's BS. That's good, and it's I'm a, I'm a, I'm annoyed by it too because I very much believed it for a very long time, and then I saw some article about it as an adult. I'm like, wait a minute, you jerks. That's crazy. My, my tongue knowledge has been undermined. How yeah, dare my, my, my mind is blown. Come yeah. On. So there you go. That's ask us anything for this week. Thank you for sending in those excellent questions. We really appreciate them and continue doing so at dubcast at 11 warriors.com. Yeah.
0: My gosh, the dubcast posse doing us right this week. That
1: was fantastic. Yeah. Well done
0: questioners. Uh, glad that we got to spend a, a chunk of time together doing that. Uh, good draft for the Buckeyes And we will uh, tap dance on the corpse of Mark Emmert's career next week uh, when we return for another scintillating episode of all things happening in the world of college sports and anything loosely related to Ohio state football, basketball, non-revenue sports, the university in general, hit us up on the social media channels, say, Hey, hi, and howdy. Don't forget to send those questions for ask us anything. And uh, we'll do it live next week until then I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. This is the 11 Dubcast.